So um, I am going to get us to read together. We are in our Hidden Hero series, if you haven't been with us for a while. Um, if you're here visiting and you don't know the Lord at all, maybe you've been invited by someone, maybe you're just exploring faith, um, I, I really believe Jesus wants to speak to you today. I know the Lord's here, so uh, open up your heart uh, and we're going to get stuck in to what he has to say. So we're going to read a passage. I think I'm going to do what we did last time as well, get us to stand and read together because it's short. And uh, before we read it, this passage is going to make you feel uncomfortable. It is. It made me feel, feel very uncomfortable, um, or at least it should. And I make no apology. It's scripture. Um, I know Jesus needs to challenge us on this this morning, on this hidden hero this morning. And so be open to what he wants to say to you. It is going to be challenging. Right, so let's do what we did last week. Let's stand. We're going to read together, and I'll try and do it more quietly, but it's God's word, so uh, we're going to hit it, and uh, we'll take it away. So let's read together. Sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowd drop money in. We can probably all go home just after reading that anyway. <laughs> There's not much more for me to add. So when I was coming back from university, uh, there was a time where more university students drove uh, by themselves. And so uh, I drove to Cape Town, and uh, there was a few times I went with other people, but otherwise I drove myself back. So I was in this little Ford Laser, and it was amazing going through the Karoo and that thing, no air conditioning, burning up, but it was a great vehicle. So one of the return legs back, I think it was the last time I drove back from university, I was staying with some people in Joburg, and this was the time before Google Maps. It was a time before fancy little car charges and your cigarette lighter. Well, maybe people had them, but but I didn't. And so I was driving back and I hadn't actually checked exactly where the people lived, but I kind of knew the area. So I knew that it was um, by Cresta, the shopping mall uh, Cresta. I knew it was about there. Anyway, so I was coming in and it was probably from Cape Town, left early in the morning. It was probably about, I don't know, six in the evening. So it was starting to get dark in Joburg. And I Obviously on one of the interchanges, Galulis or something like that, I took the wrong turning and uh, I started heading into um, parts of Joburg you shouldn't really be in at night. So I thought, well, it's not a problem. I'm going to stop at the closest petrol station. It's probably the safest place to be. It's starting to get dark and I'll just try and call them. And uh, obviously as things would go, I tried to call and my phone died. So I'm at the petrol station and uh, I try to ask for directions from some of the petrol attendants there and they say, we think it might be down this route and turn left here and turn right here and we think it's somewhere there but we're not exactly sure as well. So I thought, well, what else am I going to do? And so I head off driving and I think I take the right turns but it's definitely getting darker and a bit more scary and quieter. We're off the motorways and uh, I'm getting quite scared in the center of Joburg. So I stop at another petrol station. Oh, and at that petrol station, the petrol attendants come to me, they're like, someone like you should not be in a place like this, you need to leave now. So that also added to my fear level. So I'm driving along and uh, I get to one more petrol station and it's all like, you know, the, the, it's quite scary as well. So as I um, am, am parked there, I'm just like, Lord Jesus, I think I'm going to die, what am I going to do? This is the most terrible thing, I can't phone anyone, I don't even know where I am, it's now like seven at night uh, in the middle of Joburg and I, um, a, a guy starts walking walking towards me and it's quite a deserted petrol station and I think it's my time. 
So, I mean, I'd like to say that I was like, Jesus, I'm coming home, I can't wait. But uh, I was pretty scared. I was like, how's he going to kill me? How am I going to die? He's like, got this hoodie on, and he's walking up towards the car. And I was just like, Lord Jesus, this is it. Please help it to be quick, however it happens. Um, you know, and so, he, so I sort of wind down my window. I'm like, hey, how are you doing? And he says the same thing. He's like, um, someone like you should not be here at this time. So I'm just like, well... Okay, so I said, well, I'm just trying to get you. And he says, um, he says okay, well, tell you what, um, I'll drive you too close to where you need to go, so just follow me. And then when I do this with my hand, you turn, and then you'll be right near where you're supposed to go. So I'm like, well, either he's just going to take me down some alley roads to kill me, or, like, what am I going to do? What, what's it, what choice do I have? So I thought, okay, Lord, well, what, what do I have? So I said, okay, and I, you know, pull out after him. And we go, and there's quite a few turnings, and each time we turn, I'm just like, it's getting towards my death. You know, you, uh, genuinely, I was terrified. I haven't been this scared. And then we get onto, like, sort of a semi-motorway, semi and then we get onto um, the main motorway, and we get to an overthing, and he, and he points left, and actually there was a sign cresta, and off he goes down, and, and, and off I go. And uh, I was just absolutely blown away, because like I said in the title, things are not always as they seem. The very person who I thought was um, going to lead me to my death and into eternity with Jesus, when, um, but I just didn't feel it was the right time yet, uh, I actually turned out to be the person who completely out of his way drove me for at least 15, 20 minutes to get to me a uh, place to where I needed to be in safety. Um, and I never really got to say thank you because he just headed off. Um, but I was just so grateful for it. Yes, could well have been an angel, and I think it could have, definitely. So, Next story. So that's once things weren't as, always as they seem. A number of years ago, there was someone that we wanted to help um, get to another country for an event. Um, Sierra and I, they were on our heart. So what we did is we um, sent out emails and messages to people that we knew around the world, and we said, hey, would any of you be willing to um, give something towards this? And so we, we sent it out, and there were many people who were like, um, oh, that would be great. We can give 50, or we can give 20, or whichever else. And uh, then other people sent back, and they said, um, we're really, really sorry, but we um, aren't able to give a lot with this amount help. Um, and it was like half of like the, the, the cost of triple, half the airfares. Um, and the thing that was so strange to me is that these people um, drove very ordinary cars in, uh, in Zimbabwe, very ordinary house, and it was just absolutely unexpected that they gave that. But what was more unexpected is in the email they said, we're so sorry, this is all that we're able to give, because at the moment we're putting eight to 12 people through school each term um, that aren't our own kids, they had, um, they had a number of their own. So we're just so sorry, this is all that we can give, but like, please, would you accept it? And I just sat there going, Oh my goodness, from how I see these people live and the way that they operate to what they've just said that they're prepared to give and what they do give that no one else knows, things were not as they seem. I sat there going, this is mind-boggling that these people, I completely misread them in the kingdom and their generosity and what they were doing compared to their lifestyle was absolutely astounding. I was really blown away. And, um, and that uh, was another challenge. Things are not always as they seem at first glance. Now when Jesus came to earth, he turned the world upside down. And many things that we had seen a certain way or people in biblical times had seen a certain way, Jesus said they are not as they seem. 
what things look like at surface level, Jesus turned it on its head and said, actually, you may see it like this, but let me tell you the truth. This is what it's actually like. And that's what we're gonna explore as we look at it today. He showed us God cared more about the heart. He showed us that relationships triumph deeds. And the hidden hero that we're gonna look at today will blow our minds in a healthy way. Someone who had a different, people had a different perspective, we're gonna read here together. And Jesus was and he is a specialist of showing us a different way, of showing us a new way. Maybe you're here today and you've been against church or maybe you've sort of been against God because of some regulations you've heard of or because of what someone's done. I'm here to tell you that Jesus shows us a different and a new way. So let's read together. I'll start uh, just right at the, at the top. Sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. Now this is so interesting because this is the only place in the Bible you find something said about Jesus. A lot of the time, Jesus sat and taught. A lot of the times he stood and taught. A lot of the times he sat and he dined or he sat and he did things with people. This is the only time you will find in scripture that Jesus sat and he didn't say anything but he watched. This is the only passage you will find where Jesus sat and he didn't say anything, he watched. And we can't miss this. We cannot miss that he watched people and that he sat and he did that at the same time. Only time you will find it in scripture. And this shows us that Jesus was very interested in what was happening in and around the temple treasury. Everything in scripture is not by accident. We don't just gloss it over. Jesus was very interested in this process. He was watching. It relates to what we do with our finances, our resources, and he wanted you and I to know that. So when it comes to our resources, our money, our possessions, the lesson for each of us is this. Jesus is very interested in what you and I do with our possessions and our resources. Very interested. Because he sat and he watched. Imagine Jesus, he's been talking, he's been teaching, he's just come into Jerusalem before he dies, and he sits and he's just watching. Just imagine watching people, people putting in different amounts, people going, some rich, some poor, as we read. Now we still have offering baskets today, although majority of us would probably give digitally through EcoCash or whichever else around the globe, not just in Zimbabwe. Now think about the fact that every time you decide to put something into the offering basket or every time you decide to send some EcoCash or to do an RTGS, just know that Jesus is watching. Every time you think about your possessions, what you want to buy, whether there's a thought of giving something away, he's watching. He's watching intently. But why is he watching? Why was he watching then? Why is he watching you and I now? It's because he knows that what we do with our money is the first rung in the ladder of faith. I've shared this before, but what we do with our finances is the first rung on our growth in faith. If you're struggling to grow in your faith, if you feel like your faith is a little bit stagnant, I would ask you the question, how are you doing when it comes to your money and your possessions? And if you're sitting going, oh my goodness, I'm so generous, I know God's in charge of my possessions, I, they don't have any hold on me, and I'm still not growing, great, come and chat with me. <laughs> we'll see if there's something else stopping you growing your faith. But if you're sitting going, I'm not growing in my faith, I can't work out why, but I'm not giving to Jesus, and my money's mine, and I'm building my empire, that's it, you've hit the nail on the head. 
because it's the first rung in the ladder of spiritual growth. It's interesting, Matthew 25, there's a passage in the Bible which talks about the faithful steward, things called talents, and the story is, is they have different amounts to look after. The master says, these are, you know, you're in charge of these, and uh, when I come back, you know, I want you to have done stuff with them. Okay, and some people multiply them, uh, talents being, uh, be, being resources to put into effect. This is what he says, the two people who did something with what God gave them, financial resources, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share in your master's joy. You were faithful with financial things on earth according to my kingdom. Now I will put you in charge of many things. Not just financial, but many to the person who didn't do anything with their monetary wealth, they went and they hid it away. They were like, oh my goodness, I don't really know what to do, so I'm gonna hide away what God has given me and I'm not gonna use it for anything. That's equivalent to God giving us resources on earth and going, hmm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna use this for myself. I'm not really gonna multiply it for the master. I'm, kind of just, I'm just gonna use it and I'll just hide it away. That's the same as us presenting to God when we die our resources and, then, um, and God standing and going, you did nothing for my kingdom with your resources and uh, the response of what happens isn't something nice. So what Jesus is saying is how you and I handle worldly wealth and how you and I invest it for the master's account, for King Jesus' account, will dictate the level to which you and I have reward and responsibility in heaven. Astounding, absolutely astounding. It's a massively challenging passage, Matthew 25. You must go and look at it. The scary part is the one who did nothing with the master's money didn't even enter the kingdom of heaven because it proved that they actually didn't know Christ. That was a very, very scary and challenging thing. So it's a hugely sobering challenge and boy do I wanna say God say to me, well done, good and faithful servant when it comes to my resources and everything else. So that's the huge challenge, Jesus is watching What are we doing with the resources? And he's watching all of that. So he carries on. Uh, Many rich people were putting in large sums, and then a poor widow came and dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. You notice he doesn't say anything bad about the wealthy people. He doesn't say anything bad about the poor people. In another passage in the Bible, he says the poor will always be with you. So the wealthy and poor, there's not a problem with wealth, and there isn't a problem with poverty. Obviously, we want to migrate people out of poverty, but that's going to happen all the time. Jesus doesn't look down on you because you're poor. He doesn't look down on you because you're wealthy. He just, he sees this happening. He sees the wealthy, he sees the poor giving. So he looks at, now the two coins, that was equivalent, or it says, yeah, two tiny coins, that was equivalent to about a day's wage for that person who gave it. So I don't know what we counted as here, but maybe equivalent to 10 bond, 15 bond on the lower rung of what someone's earning. Something like that, 10 or 15 bond is what she came and gave. Number four, you identify yourself with the poor widow. Because <laughs> especially living in Zimbabwe, it's easy to do that. It's easy to go, oh, the poor widow, that's me. Other people are rich, and in other globes are rich, or whatever else, these other people are way wealthier than me. I'm definitely the poor widow in the story. Before you do that, I've done this before, I did it a while ago, there's a great wealth test. It's called the globalrichlist.com. You should probably do it every month. It's probably very important for you to do it even as rates run and earnings aren't what they uh, were before. So I did a quick little test. If you earn 1,000 bond a month, so 1,000 bond a month, give or take 100 US, a little bit more at the real rate, um, 
you're in the top 50% in the world. Okay, so 1,000 bond a month, top 50% in the world. Okay, 100 US a month. If you earn 500 US a month, you're in the top, so give or take, you know, 4,500 RTGS, you're in the top 20% in the world. And uh, above that, there's a drastic increase. So this just gives you a healthy guideline of us sitting here. If you earn 1,000 bond a month, you're in the top 50%, and if you earn more than five, um, 500, uh, art, 500 US dollars a month, you're in the top 20% globally. The scary thing is, and this may be the reality among some of us here, some of us here may be in the state of being the poor widow. Interestingly enough, there's a huge thing across the globe of saying, um, if people live below one US dollar per day, that is terrifying, and you're in the lowest rung on the poverty ladder. That's what people sort of class it as, people live on less than one a day. And I know there's a lot of people, including domestic workers and including factory workers, who are on less than one US dollar per day. So amongst us here, there could be people classed in the absolute lowest rung of the poor widow, and there could be people classed way above. And I understand that. And that's why God speaks to both. I love it in this passage. But for the majority of us sitting here today, we are in the wealthy rich bracket. Majority. We're at least in the top 50%, most of us, at least in the top 50%, I would say a number of us here in the top 20, 10, and top 5% globally, okay? So uh, we, we don't class ourselves automatically as the poor widow. Now, it's not wrong to be wealthy at all, um, but we do need to be careful with our wealth because Jesus spoke about money more than anything else and he did say it is hard for a rich person probably most of us in this room, it is hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's hard for a rich person to give their lives to Christ. Jesus' words, not mine. That's what he said. And he spoke about it very often. He spoke more about the cautious side of wealth than the great benefits a lot of the time because he knew the hold that money could have on you and I. So it's hard for the wealthy, that's you and I, most of us, but why? Because, oh my precious. Watch Lord of the Rings again. Guys, watch it. You wanna watch Lord of the Rings again? Because money has a power in our lives that it's very hard to get down to, to the nitty gritty of our trust in it. And you can have a trust in money whether you're very wealthy or very poor. Works both ends of the scale, but money, the preciousness of it, the trust that we have in this resource more than we have in Jesus. Our sense of worth because of this resource that we have, it is so hard to defeat daily in our lives. That's why Jesus spoke about it so much. So money has a power on our lives. So we need to never relax when it comes to money. We need to assess where our trust is day in and day out. And in some respects, I praise God for what's happened in our economy in the, in the last few months. Don't get me wrong, I hate an awful lot of it. But you know what it shows me in a massive way? It shows me where my trust is, big time. Shows me whether my trust is Jesus or whether my trust is the bank account in a massive way. And for that, I'm grateful for. Do I wanna go through it? No, not in a million years. Would I love it if we were in a stable economy? Yes, but I'm very grateful that it shows me what my real trust is. And there's a grateful side to that when we look at the kingdom. Okay, so then he calls his disciples. He summons his disciples. And this is quite interesting. His disciples didn't really care less about what Jesus was doing. You imagine Jesus, so he was just sitting. He had been talking in the temple. Now he's sitting at the treasury and he's just watching. 
there's rich people that come and put in a load and they drop some possessions as well. There's this poor widow, whatever else. The disciples are sort of strapping around somewhere else. They couldn't really care less about what Jesus was focusing in on. Great challenge for us as well. We need to focus in on what Jesus is focusing in on. So he's focused in, he calls his disciples, calls them a little closer. They probably thought, oh, this Jesus, shame. He's just taking a little breather. It's been a tiring morning chatting to everyone else. Um, He's just having a little bit of a rest, but he was watching. And then he says something absolutely upside down, as Jesus often does. He said to them, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. For they all gave out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had all she had to live on. So he says that this woman has given more than anyone else that he has been watching. Now we know he obviously wasn't talking about it physically. We know that. People were giving large sums, she gave two little coins. So we know she's not talking about the fact that she's given more in a physical sense, not at all. But Jesus cares a lot more about our heart than the physical. So he was talking about something more valuable to him than the physical things that people were putting in. He was talking about something more valuable to him than a monetary value of our gift. And he explains it. He says, others may have given large amounts. So he says, they they gave large amounts. They gave their surplus, but she did something different. They gave large amounts out of surplus. This is so interesting. It would be the same as someone who has a million bucks, bond or US, I don't really care. Someone who had that, who gave 10,000. Now, that 10,000 is a great gift. Giving 10,000 is a great gift, but it's out of surplus. It's out of abundance. That's what he's saying. So he's saying it's not that it's bad that people are putting in things. It's not bad that people are giving, but he's saying the people who are giving lots, it was just out of surplus. It didn't really cost them anything. Yeah, they could have done something else with it, but it wasn't like a cost to themselves. It wasn't a cost to trust. It wasn't like a faith step. It was just like, oh yeah, I've got surplus. Like, yeah, here's, here's 10,000. Or, or um, you know, here's a bunch of fruit and stuff out of the surplus of what I've um, created in my land. That, that's what he spoke about. It was, just, um, it was just a surplus for them. Still not a bad gift. He wasn't saying it's bad. Just saying they gave out of their surplus. But she did something better. Whilst she only gave 10 bond, She gave out of a heart of absolute faith and trust in God. She gave out of a passion, a deep passion for Jesus, saying, I want to invest in your kingdom, Jesus, and this is my everything. (laughs) I'm actually not gonna eat tomorrow, but you know what? For the sake of pleasing my king and for the sake of my love for my savior, I wanna give it all. I can guarantee he doesn't tell the story, but I'm sure he looked after her and he provided for her in the days ahead. I've heard many stories, but that's what she gave out of. She gave sacrificially, demonstrating that her primary source and love was Jesus. And that's what Jesus loves. He loves faith and he loves it when our faith is backed by a love for him and for him alone as our source. He loves faith. He absolutely loves faith in our lives. It's the things that we struggle with most because the only way to access faith is when we step out of the known into the unknown and it's scary because faith is stepping out going, God, unless you do something, it's not gonna happen. That's what faith is. 
It's not making a, a secondary plan. It's not sort of making a cover for ourselves. Faith is when we step out and say, God, unless you do something in the situation, it's never going to happen. But he loves it. I know pastor friends of ours, um, and it was a time in Zim which wasn't doing uh, amazingly, and they had one car, and they felt that God said, you need to give away your car. And so they did. They were like, obedience was more important to them than anything else, they did. And a few weeks later, he gave them another car through someone else. But I just sat and I heard their story and I just marveled because I was just like, Lord, could I do that? Would I even be open to you saying that to me? <laughs> Am I even prepared to sit and say, Lord, do you want me to give away our car? Maybe we should do it now. Um, <laughs> but they were. They were, they, were, they were prepared and they acted on it obediently. But the impact that that story's had and the impact that had on their belief in God for bigger things than a car and for what he's done in their lives as a result across the globe is massive. But the only way to access the life of purpose that God has for us is faith. It's the only way. There's no other way to access the life of faith that he has for us. Acts 4 verse 34, um, an amazing story. The early church, they were so sold out for Jesus that they sold their houses and their land. They brought it to the church leader's feet and they said, no holds barred, no me trying to protect and control my money. God's told us to sell our houses and our land. Here it is, do whatever you want with it for the kingdom of God. Mind blowing. We can tell ourselves all sorts of stories about you know, whether it's that powerful or whether it's the same today with title deeds and whatever else. Those guys sold their houses that they owned, they sold their land and they gave it for God's kingdom advance because they cared more about Christ and his kingdom advance and they did about their property. Mind-blowing, absolutely mind-blowing. But why, it's because Christ told them. Is he telling everyone here who owns a house to sell your house and give it to the church? Maybe, maybe he is. Would you be open if he told you? Would you be open if, if he actually said to you, you need to sell your house and give it away? Big challenge, big challenge for each of us. Um, and he might not be, he might not be at all, but would we be open to it? I wanna live hanging on every word of the Lord and in acting in obedience to everything he asks of me. Do I do it all the time? No, but do I want to? Yes. Because I know it is the only way you and I will activate a life of faith and purpose. It's the only way. And this passage, we're talking about money, but it's in every area of our life. It's in absolutely every area. So as I come to close, this passage is massively sobering, challenging, and encouraging. It's sobering because we can see very clearly God's assessment of our wealth and what we do with it. Very clearly. Only passage in the Bible, he sits and he watches. So for you and I, as a loving heavenly father, as a close friend, he is watching what you and I do with our money, what we do with it when it comes to generosity all the time. So it's sobering. It's challenging because we realize that to truly follow Christ's path, it will be costly. It will be costly. If you want to live a stagnant, unexciting Christian life, you get that from no cost and from holding on to your fleeting pleasures in, in this earth. That's how you get the stagnant, boring Christian life. If you want it, hang on to the things that you have. If you want the exciting life that Christ promised us, us in the Bible, it comes from picking up our crosses and falling hard after him. It comes from saying no to earthly things and saying yes to the things of Christ. So often he just gives us an abundance anyway. But if you want the, that sort of purpose in life, that's where it comes from. Why else is it encouraging? 
because you don't have to be ashamed in the slightest if all you can give Christ is to bond. You do not have to be ashamed in the slightest if you're in God's church or if you're living with someone who's struggled with poverty and all that you can do is give him to bond. There is zero shame, absolutely zero shame. That widow, that hidden hero, she was commended. She's a story in the Bible for all time and she could give almost nothing in physical sense. But her story goes out and her story challenges us because of the heart from which we gave. But for you sitting in the church, maybe your whole life, that's gonna be what you earn, 300 bond a month, maybe less. Maybe that will be your whole life. Maybe it won't grow, maybe it won't increase. Do you know what? In God's kingdom, it doesn't matter. The physical amount that you give is irrelevant. It's about the heart, and that is encouraging. Because it doesn't mean you can be absolutely proud if all you could give with Jesus challenging you in your heart, all I can give is 10 bond. And that's what you do and you do that faithfully because that's what Jesus has called you to give. And it's a sacrifice and it's costly for you because those two loaves of bread are the matter of you eating two meals a day versus one. If it's costly and you do it out of love for King Jesus, my goodness, those heavenly rewards are gonna be astounding. They will be astounding. So you don't need to be ashamed of lack. God is after your heart. His measurement standards are different to ours. God sees what man overlooks. Feeling like no one notices you, God does. He is watching and he notices you, not just in monetary terms, but in all different terms. And one thing's for sure, one day you and I will stand before the King of Kings. We will stand before him as Christ followers for those who don't as well. But for the Christ follower, everything will be laid bare. Everything will be laid bare. It won't be about external actions, it'll be about the state of our hearts. Rewards will be given out that last for eternity, not fleeting pleasures on this earth, not fleeting comforts, they will last for eternity. Chaff will be burnt away. Everything that we've done in our lives that doesn't count for God's kingdom will be burnt as nothing. What will be left of your life and mine? What will be left? What will be the gold that stands the test of fire? What will be there that's rewarded for all eternity? Only Christ truly knows the state of our hearts and we know it between him as well. What a great challenge for us to think on. So uh, I wanna pray for us. I wanna pray for us. Great, so um, first, uh, first set, two sets that I, want to, um, uh, that I want to pray for. Firstly, you come here visiting, you've been here a few times, you've heard us singing, you've uh, been here for uh, communion and you've heard Ian talking about this Jesus who died for you and uh, who gave his life for you and I. Now you've heard me speaking about this widow who is willing to give everything she had to King Jesus. You've heard me talking about this God who is interested in our financial resources. He's interested in everything and ultimately there's a, there's a heaven to come. There's another world to come. I don't want you to leave here if you don't know the Lord. I don't want you to leave here today if you know one day that you're gonna stand before Jesus and uh, you know that there's sin in your life. You know that you've been living for your own kingdom. You know that you're living for yourself at the moment. And I don't wanna see you spend an eternal separation from King Jesus because you haven't given your life to him. You haven't realized the mess that your life's in. You haven't realized the sin in your heart. And uh, you haven't trusted in him for forgiveness because he's a holy God. He can't be in the presence of sin. But he loved you so much that he came 
and died a most horrific death for you on the cross because he's a perfect sacrifice for your sin and for mine so that if we receive it, we can have an eternity with him forever and not die in our sin. And if that's you and you're going, I want that, I, I, I want him to change my heart. I know that he is not in control of my life and I want him to and I've never given my life to Christ. I would love you to raise your hand. I'd love you to raise it and say, that, that's what I want. I want this life of purpose and hope. I, I, I can't do this life on my own and I, everywhere I search, it, it just ends in deadness and I want life and life everlasting. If that's you, raise your hands. People's eye, you know, eyes are closed or whatever else. Like Raise your hand and just say, it's a sense of going, God, yep, that's me. <laughs> that's me. Maybe your heart's racing. Um, I don't know. He'll show you the moment. But if that's you, I'd love you to slip up your hand if you're going, I've never given my life to Christ and uh, this is my moment. This is my time. Wait for a short little bit. If you've never ever given your life to Christ, that's okay. Okay, if you were, keep your heads bowed. If you were um, too shy or anything else like that, please come and chat to me afterwards. Greatest decision you can ever make. As Ian said, hands down, greatest decision you can ever make. Secondly, God's gonna speak to you and I about our financial resources right now, and he's gonna speak to us about other areas of our lives as well. Lord Jesus, I ask that right now you would speak to each of us and you would challenge each of us in terms of our resources. Our physical resources, our gifts and abilities, the resource we can never get back, our time. Holy Spirit, please challenge us right now in these moments. There's some of you in the room that God will challenge to sacrificially give away in a big way. Maybe right now, you've had this little nagging from the Holy Spirit and he's been going, yep, that car, you need to give it away. (laughs) Maybe he's saying, that house, you need to give it away. Can I tell you that any sacrifice you make for Jesus, he might not give it back to you physically, he might not give it back to you in this lifetime, but it's always worth it. Anything he asks of you, it is always worth it. So Holy Spirit, as the good heavenly father that you are, who's intently sitting and watching us right now, I ask that you would challenge us and you would show us what you want of us and then please give us the courage to be obedient. (laughs) Please give us your power and your help to be obedient because I know that I won't by myself. In my own strength, I never will, and I know that we won't as a church. But Lord Jesus, I ask that you'd speak powerfully. I ask that we would live as people of a different kingdom. That when people see what we do with our money as a church at Harvest, when people see what we do with our time, when they see what we do with our possessions, they would say there is no doubt that those people belong to another world. There is absolutely no doubt, but that they would see this joy in us and this life and this purpose that's tangible, that's electric, and that people would wanna know. Jesus, you were the greatest magnet. It was electric. People wanted to be around you. They got challenged all the time, but why did they wanna be around you? Because there was life in you. And so I ask that we'd be people who are electric because life flows out of us as we're obedient to you, as we give you everything. Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you for this hidden hero that we learn about, this poor widow overlooked by everyone else, but not by you. 
And I ask that we would learn the kind of selfless sacrifice and radical love that she operated in in that small little external deed, but what that showed of her heart, and we would live that out in the week ahead. In your powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Great stuff.